You know, horror, I think everyone can find something in the genre that they can appreciate. Not Horror does not just mean slashers or gore and violence or whatever, you know, maybe your little niche of it that turns you off. Horror is an important genre, I think, for uh, humanity and an opportunity to discuss things that run the gamut. Just look at Get Out and, you know, the conversation about racism in America. Is that a film that people should not see because it's horror? John Lyons is the Director of Programming at the Film Society of Northwest Pennsylvania and the Festival Director of the Erie Horror Fest, which takes place later this month. Welcome to Flagship Stories, Episode 2. My name is Chris Lantinen, and I'm the Digital Media Coordinator for the Edinburgh Beehive. And I am Nick Warren. I am the Managing Editor for the Erie Reader. Now, Nick, it is the Halloween season. Ooh, that was a spooky specter. That <laughs> and, and there was no better guest for our October episode than one of the people responsible for bringing the Eerie Horror Fest back from the dead. Their Frankenstein poster imagery designed, of course, by Eerie's Monster Mark mm-hmm. uh, certainly leans, leans into this idea of revival. And I'm going to link this seamlessly I might add, to the most recent edition of the Eerie Reader, featuring cover art by the same artist. Nick, what is in the Reader this month? Talk about that cover art. Talk about some of the articles. Yeah. Take it away. Well, I love love, uh, anytime we get to work with Mark. Uh, He's done covers for maybe seven or eight years with the Reader. Um, The the October issues. Usually the October issues. Uh, Sometimes some other horror-themed ones, but... Uh, yeah, we kind of went with like an EC Comics theme, which I, I actually mentioned in the podcast later on. But uh, yeah, the cover story is about Axe Murder Hollow, uh, which is just kind of a perfect spooky kind of eerie folklore tale. And Aaron Phillips, f- uh, fantastic writer, kind of uh, unearthed some misconceptions and uh, some truths, some falsities, um, and even her own theories about uh, what happened, who was behind it. So check that out. There's uh, I have an interview with Chris Campanelli, who's a uh, fantastic uh, local candidate for Erie County Sheriff. Uh, we have articles from Jim Wirtz and Ben Spagan about the upcoming elections. We have a preview for the Jefferson Educational Society's Global Summit 13 that's coming up in early November, which features uh, George W. Bush as their headlining speaker, which is a, you know, obviously a huge get. And uh, we have the Horrorfest coverage as well. We have... Uh, and you know, the usual reviews and event spotlights as well. Yeah, so one of those reviews is for Titan. Yes, uh, by yeah. by Forrest Taylor, right? Forrest Taylor, a wonderful, wonderful writer with a reader who's worked with us doing film reviews for many years now. Uh, you know, we t- we talk about curation in in this podcast, and I think Forrest is one of the prime examples of that. The write up he did made me go out and search the Wikipedia article <laughs> uh, for. For that movie to see what happens. Read, was, yeah, read that review, then listen to us talk to John about the movie. Yes. And you're going to have no choice but to show up at Horror Fest yes. and uh, check it out at midnight. Yes. And we talk a lot about the magic of midnight movies uh, in the, in this great discussion. What a, what a weird feeling that's going to be going home at 2 a.m. after that, probably. Not me, because I'm too spooked. <laughs> but, you know, maybe somebody else who's listening will 
that will be something they want to do. And it's too late to drink. <laughs> um, also, us. some podcast picks that we should talk about real quick. Yeah, we there's have some good ones in there. Our own shows in there. Yes, it we is. We got a little write-up on flagship stories, which is great. So and check then, it out. Even though you're already listening, you know, we want to sell you anyway. Yeah, we want to do all the selling we possibly Never can in these, stop selling. in these first few episodes. Uh, always be closing, ABC. ABC. Uh, and then I also, I have a podcast pick in there. So if you're into sports gambling yes. at all, if you've seen the FanDuel billboards, if you've seen the MGM billboards and you're like, maybe that's somewhat something yeah. I want to waste my money on. Clearly you're a degenerate gambler, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in deep <laughs> yeah, to anybody. Rope. I'm not in deep, I promise. Um, but I will say that my podcast pick is a good educational resource so that you you don't become that you play with your money safely yes 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 yes. so i've been uh, yeah i've been loving uh following uh your your podcast reviews i need to listen to my own choices for podcasts i'm running out of things to talk about i i already have a couple good ones for next month yeah so be be prepared love it uh (laughs) so yeah this conversation with john we really just wanted to go deep on Basically, every movie that's playing at the festival, we have an extended conversation about. You might say we unearthed some information. I, I, uh, I'm not going to justify that joke <laughs> with a response. Um, but what I am going to say is that it should give you plenty of motivation to come out and support this longtime, revived, eerie October tradition. Just one of the best things that yeah. happens in Erie all year. And um, yeah, so we hope this conversation encourages you to go buy tickets or at least illuminates a little bit of the mo- motivation behind bringing the festival back and yeah. in and, the cool ways that they're And it's, that really, they're it's really so. nice, you know, the, the festival is back again, and it's like there really are no good buys uh, for it. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so what's what's the last title of his movies? He's got three, correct? Yeah, Hunting Camp. We're, we're going we're gonna to find the last one. We'll work it into oh, a... Uh, oh, Schism. Schism. That's, that's the one. one. I, that's the one I was thinking about. So, uh, that, sorry, that John, if you're so listening. Easy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you could have worked that in for sure. Um, but let's just let. I jo- was really hoping that you didn't know John's films that well, and I could sneak there. No, I know him. I know him. Um, th- that was a really good work in though. <laughs> Anyways, let's let John take it from here. Good conversation. So mm-hmm. listen up. It's a real schism of thought. <laughs> All right, you're done. <laughs> so let's go back what is the conversation that you have who's involved how does it start that leads to you saying okay we are officially bringing back the eerie horror fest the film society is bringing back the horror fest. yes not just john <laughs> I mean, uh, Erica Berlin, who's the executive director of the Film Society, well, and for very I much. <laughs> have had a conversation about doing a film festival downtown for, for a while, actually. We've had, uh, I mean, if I open my Google Docs, I'm sure there's a 10-year-old uh, doc in there mm-hmm. about what would we want a downtown international festival to look like it was really just a timing thing it was the eerie horror fest you know was fantastic it was at the warner thousands of people came in and out of eerie for for the festival it's where i was introduced to horror and i got a taste for horror 
And so, you know, it had been dormant for five years. Uh, we're in the pandemic. The bourbon barrel is sold, so we've lost our weekly dinner and a movie mm-hmm. series. I was going to ask about that later. So Yeah, which is, you know, a bummer. So it's like, you know, a bunch of personal bummers for us. So it was like, well, let's ask Greg. Let's see what Why Greg not, yeah. says. <laughs> so, um, And this is Greg Ropp. This is Greg Ropp. So Greg Ropp, the founder, the Ropp family, the founding family. Um, the late Dick Ropp, rest his soul, um, was a board member of the Film Society early when we were first starting out. Um, he, he's been in a couple of my films. Um, yeah, so I reach out to Greg, who I hadn't talked to for years, and he said, you know what, the timing on this is interesting. Um, and we had some conversations, some long conversations. We caught up, and he was like, uh, you know, and Maybe you'll get a chance to talk to him. He said, you know, if there is anybody, I think he said he talked to his mom. And if if John ever asked, then I would consider it. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's where we are here. Um, you know, the Rops and their legacy uh, will continue at the Horror Fest. We're going to have um, a block of films that Greg's Reverend Greg is going to program uh, and introduce at each Horror Fest. And we have more plans in the future when we come back fully to, you know, have uh, some recognition for for Dick Ropp and to maybe have an award or um, some kind of grant or something for filmmakers. Awesome. Uh, I'm sure you've attended your share of fests with your own films. I know for a while you were doing the yearly Toronto Festival Mm -hmm. as an attendee. Did you have any good or bad festival experiences that made you want to set Erie Horror Fest up in a certain way or not do this, do this, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, both. Yeah, I mean, uh, been to Sundance a couple times. Um, Erica's been to Sundance too. Yeah, we've both been to Toronto International Film Festival, which seriously, it's three and a half hours away and it's like a top tier festival. Yeah. You have to go. Toronto's so underrated by yeah. people here. It's ridiculous, just you in general. Absolutely have to go. Um so yeah, and then of course, yeah, as you alluded to, um, you know, we made quite quite a, a few festivals over the course of three feature films now. And yeah, you learn learn a lot of lessons of like, you know, who goes the extra mile as far as the filmmaker experience and who's just kind of looking for uh, to make money off of the backs of filmmakers with their submission fees. Because what people maybe don't uh, understand is, mm-hmm. you know, all these festivals, the Sundances and the Torontos, you know, big or small, you're charging filmmakers anywhere from $30 to, I mean, the Berlin Film Festival is 300 dollars i think for a feature i've made that and that's mistake just, once <laughs> that's just submission yeah just yeah. submission yeah. you don't get that money back no refunds selected <laughs> no and you know you take like a sundance for example and not to pick on them it's the name everybody recognizes mm-hmm. so they get let's say fifteen thousand, or i don't know what their latest number is let's say they get twenty thousand submissions now mm-hmm. and they're charging 75 dollars i think for a feature and they program mm-hmm. out of those probably 30 or 40 features. And most of those star like 
George Clooney and Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie and, you know, like all these big names that are not really independents, you know? So right. it's like, that's how they make their money, right? Off of filmmakers. <laughs> it's a million and a half dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, you learn, uh, you know, the experience for me, how they treat their filmmakers how the community is kind of brought into the event. I mean, this works the same with with music, with you know, mm-hmm. forty under forty, with all these parties, right? It's it's the experience, and really, a festival is it's a cultural experience. It's a celebration of art. Yeah, so definitely, it's looking at things that we liked, um, ways to showcase Erie and Northwestern Pennsylvania. And to bring, um, you know, bring talent here to the city, of course, with the plan of let's show you around, show you some of the sites. Maybe you'll consider us for your next film kind of thing. And then to nurture um, and elevate our regional filmmakers and have them have the opportunity to network with other professionals, see other films that they may never have seen before. And of course just horror fans and the community at large right. um, give them a way to celebrate genre. You mentioned a couple of things in that last response that I want to expand on. And one is that you, you see it as this cultural experience that, you know, just goes beyond being a horror fan. And I assume part of that experience is showing people eerie and bringing in local partnerships that help the fest with things like lodging or food, mm-hmm. all these different tie-ins. So tell us a little bit about what partnerships you have set up around the city of Erie. Oh, sure, of course. Um, I mean, we've applied for a number of grants, uh, you know, and there's sponsors that I, now you're going to put me on the spot and I'm going <laughs> to have to remember everybody that's sponsoring us. But, you know, there there's the big heavies. Um, ECRA and Erie Downtown Partnership have been uh, very helpful to us. And then Edinburgh University are, are one of our sponsors as well, and we're working with them to... I know them. Yeah, have you heard? Have yeah, you, I've heard of have them. Have you both heard I'm of them? I'm aware. <laughs> we are coming to you from the Beehive. A couple alums here. Oh, a few. Th- two three. or three all, alums. We're all oh, yeah. alums. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was going to ask about your growing up in Erie and all yeah, that, but yeah. you're already getting ahead of me. Sorry, I'm all over the place. No, you're fine. Um, so yeah, Edinburgh University has been been very helpful. Um, our lodging partners, we just lay, lay a bed of Scotland the Brave under this. There you go. <laughs> yeah, layer that in. <laughs> layer that in in the background. Um, Cobblestone Hotel and Suites are our lodging partner. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget everybody, guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, the Erie Playhouse, of course, that's our mm-hmm. our venue, our main venue downtown. Uh, the Erie Philharmonic um, are hooking us up uh, for sure. Um, we're having events over at the Miser Place, which is right next door. Uh, Velocity Network, just a block down the road, is hosting our industry panel, which is on Saturday. Of course, we have the Erie Reader, who are always and have been uh, supportive of us from from birth. Uh, the Erie Reader has yeah. been there to, to Do, hold our hands. Doing the research, I'm finding Erie Horror Fest articles from 2012, oh, yeah. 2012 in the yeah. Reader. So that was, sim- that was my main source. <laughs> yes, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. I look up stuff in the Reader too <laughs> to remind me of the Erie Horror Fest and what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. For sure. I did that yesterday. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
you know, community buy-in is really important. Um, you know, I will give uh, a, a little push that we traditionally have had a bit of an issue with some of the big funders in uh, our region that don't um, quite yet maybe understand the value of film as an art form. When we were at the Erie Art Museum, you know, we showed uh, I, the I newest... Theater, yeah. Yeah, the newest international films, indies, art houses, and we would hear no a lot from uh, sponsors because, you know, we might show a film like Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac, parts one and two, Mm -hmm. which, you know, played all the biggest film festivals in the world and is a fantastic film, but because it's a film about sex, that might make some, some people uncomfortable. So this, we're, you know... Horror films, uh, I understand, are not everyone's cup of tea. Um, they certainly were not mine when I when I first started, uh, you know, getting a taste just for film in general. But horror really is the most inclusive and open and freeing genre for sure. You mm-hmm. can do really strong social commentary, and I don't know, you're probably jumping into some of this in the future too. But you know, horror, you can. I think everyone can find something in the genre that they can appreciate. Not horror does not just mean slashers or gore and violence or whatever, you know, maybe your little niche of it that turns you off. Horror is an important genre, I think for uh, humanity and an opportunity to discuss things that run the gamut. Just look at get out and, you know, the conversation about racism in in America. Is Mm -hmm. that a film that, people should not see because it's horror, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's my little soapbox. I will, (laughs) I will get off of it right now, but thank you so much to all of our sponsors. Hopefully uh, we have a lot of support in future. A couple things from that response. You keep giving me areas of expansion that I want to hit on, which is good. Um, One being the Erie Playhouse. I'm not entirely sure of its history, but it's not, you know, necessarily known as a movie house. So tell us about the setup and what went into the venue considerations and kind of what the Playhouse provides you to make this a successful festival. Yeah, thankfully, the, the play, we have the Playhouse. Um, they've been fantastic. Uh, Kate over at the Playhouse has been answering my every email and every question <laughs> Um, you know, is kind of yeah, we, we work on the vision and, and figure out, you know, how, how we want the uh, event to, to roll. Um, yeah, the layout is it'll be one big screen on stage. Um, we are doing the meet and greets and the autographs with the exception of the very first Michael Bean autograph meet and greet session on Wednesday at four o'clock. That's going to be at the Playhouse, but otherwise every of those are in the Miser place. Mm-hmm. So basically, you will you will come in, you will get your passes. You know, we have um, we're following the regulations of all of our performing uh, arts groups in the city, so mm-hmm. you have to show a proof of vaccination or a proof of a negative test within seventy two hours. Whatever the you know the guidelines are that pack a Drama Shop, Erie Playhouse, all, all of those groups come up with, we are we are following their lead. 
Um, so yeah, there will be a, a queue at the beginning. Um, so, you know, if you can get there early, get there early so that you can get in and get your seat and be good to go. Come in. We've got some surprises as far as introductions and short films and stuff like that that we haven't even announced yet, but um, most everything will take place in the Playhouse. I also wanted to ask, you know, you, you mentioned earlier how horror was not this genre that you immediately were drawn to, and I, I wonder where on the scales you sit. Are you on the far wuss side, like me, where I avoided <laughs> where I avoided the horror aisle in Blockbuster as long as I could? Or were you more so in the middle? Um, and a side note to that story, my mom is very into horror oh, movies for oh, whatever geez. reason. And so, you know, she'd be watching these movies, I'd run out of the room. <laughs> and so where were you on that scale? Were you avoiding the aisle? Were you, I'd watch some stuff? Mm -hmm. And what was like the gateway? For me, it was like Evil Dead and realizing Which that- Which Evil Dead? The original. <laughs> okay, all right. And then realizing that horror could be funny and could have elements of humor to it, something I did not know yeah. prior to that moment. So kind of those two angles here. Sure. What was your, where, where were you on the scale? What was your gateway to- actually falling in love with it. Yeah, me curious too. Now I'm curious about Nick. Can I, you, I'm can curious you jump too. in real quick and say where where, where, where I am? Yeah. I mean, I think where, I'm, where I'm in the typical you? film nerd, uh, you know, zone at least, let's say like pre-2017, 2018 with like the new wave of actually critically acclaimed horror, you know, like Ari Aster and- Elevated and stuff horror. Like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, the A24 crowd and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was like, oh yeah, you know, The Shining's good and stuff like that. And yeah, you had you had mentioned, you know, Sam Raimi, Evil Dead, stuff like that. You know, um, you know, thrillers like Silence of the Lambs were some of my favorites. But like, I wasn't like a oh, I'm gonna watch every franchise of like you know Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. um, Friday the Thirteenth, and stuff like that. Because yeah, I, I wasn't just you know frenetically searching for anything like that I, I, I was like oh give me the good stuff give me the give me the... i feel like he's dodging our aisle question <laughs> oh horror aisle oh yeah give me but still i mean we had talked about the rops and the legacy of the rops and we can't not talk about papa rob's video yeah of course um and some of those images that stuck in my head to this day i have an ebay alert search for uh uh, Cannibal Hookers VHS uh, nice. to get my hands on that specific copy that um, what was there uh, as a fixture. Well, tell, tell people about tell people about that store. It was uh, yeah, it was a video rental place in Edinburgh. Had a couple locations, but uh, for the last uh, long bit of its life, it was by the Edinburgh Mall. Uh, mm. In quotes. Um, <laughs> I forget what's there now, um, but uh, for our younger listeners, uh, before the internet and before um, you know Netflix, yeah, you would you had to you rent, rent physical copies <laughs> um, of these chunky plastic things with tape inside of it, and you'd put it into another machine, and it would play you videos. But yeah, this was like the cool mm -hmm. video store. All the all the clerks. You could talk to them, get recommendations. Did sure. you ever work there, John? I or? did not. Okay, but I was there a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was there so much, um, and because I was like just a townie kid too. Did the like, did the clerks judge your selections, or did it not get to that level? I think they were all Some, nice. I I feel like mine were nice. Mine mine <laughs> wouldn't judge, but they would be like, 
oh, you're renting this? You should rent this. Uh, like, uh, so they were judging. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but they were, they were nice about it. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't like high, John Cusack high fidelity level. No, but <laughs> I, I remember, yeah, quieter. Uh, that's the, one of the clerks recommended Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies. Like, and like, I think other, other stuff like that. Like, yeah. It was a real special place. Yeah. This brings in the broader conversation about curation, which I uh, feel is so important. I know we're sidebarring, and I'm totally no, that's fine. like, I'll come no, back to your question. Um, but I think curation and programming, especially in a world where everything is at your fingertips, mm-hmm. and I've I've complained on our own podcast for the Film Society, Film Grain, in the past about how you know, just take the Netflix algorithm, for example. Like, we came in and we were talking about Midnight Mass, right, Mm -hmm. before we were on air. Why were we talking about Midnight Mass? Because that's the thing that's in the header of all of Mm -hmm. us on Netflix right now. And think of the 20 other films or series that they acquired that do not have, that are not a Netflix original or do not have a big budget Mm -hmm. that are maybe like 20 times better than Midnight Mass or whatever that are, you got to really hunt through that stuff Mm -hmm. to to find, you know, the quality. So back to the paparazzi clerk and back to like my role as a programmer for the film society i feel like that role is more and more important mm-hmm. now and I, with music yeah, especially I, I bet chris can identify that a little bit too Bo- yeah um, both of you. Uh, yeah definitely that's exactly how i feel about you know doing music reviews and stuff like that dozens and hundreds of things come out every friday and you know i try to listen to a handful of them that i think are interesting but i you know you just can't you know it's right. like you can't watch every movie right. well um, it seems like film is sort of adopting um not i guess not adopting but the the labels that are releasing you know home releasing certain videos is falling under the same category as the labels we like as music fans you know whether mm-hmm. whether it's my labels like a top shelf records or mm-hmm. something like that now you have arrow video or arrow films whatever mm-hmm. it is um, criterion obviously mm-hmm. is I mean, yeah, I the most known mm-hmm. yeah but it just seems like people are starting to pay a little more attention to at least film fans are a little more attention to the the label on the side and yeah. you know maybe factoring that mm-hmm. into their purchase decisions or whatever so that's probably mm-hmm. falls under the curation as well oh definitely mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You you know, you want a brand that you can trust. I mean, especially now that we have, you know, at least a dozen streamer platforms that mm-hmm. I can think of off the top of my head. We're going to be all paying as much as we did for cable before we cut the cord, if we're not already. So it's going to come down 100%. to, like, you know, the Criterion channel or if they're once they build a big enough catalog, if there's a A24 or a Neon, you know, mm-hmm. channel or something like that, you know. Which I'm like already tempted to get, even just <laughs> yeah, you just, just saying that. Um, okay, so bringing back to okay. the the conversation about um, horror and my tastes, yeah, I I did not uh, respect it for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought it was uh, women in bikinis uh, running away from the the guy with the big knife that mm-hmm. was going to slice them up, and I never had an interest in that ever um and things like you know there was a whole torture porn uh you know time period Mm -hmm. um 
that uh, I that was extremely turned off. Are you are you referencing <laughs> the early two thousands, or is there a prior period where that was popular? That or like eighties, nineties. Whenever Hostel, I think like oh, Hostel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like early two thousands, the first Saw and things like that. Oh yeah, but the okay. So here's the thing, and I, Saw I liked when it came right. out. Right, I yeah. would say the first Saw might, and again, I was introduced to it by Greg Ropp in the Erie Horror Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a pre-screening of Saw. Uh, it may have been at the Playhouse, or it may have been at maybe Mercyhurst, D'Angelo, or something. I'm not sure about that. But anyways, that film something changed. It was good. Yeah. Yes. And I never usually would would watch something like that. But all of the scenes that took place in the bathroom and what they set up there. I, I think all of the stuff outside of that single room I thought was garbage in the movie <laughs> and in a distraction because that stuff made me sweat and mm-hmm. made me really like think about things. I think around that same time uh, was when I was watching, I was starting to get a taste in art house cinema and international cinema, like directors like Lars von Trier Mm-hmm. And like uh, Michel Haneke, uh, who did like funny games and stuff, mm-hmm. where you're really like pushing buttons on on the viewer mm-hmm. and saying, putting a mirror up to society, but in an uncomfortable way that um, maybe makes you look look at things in a whole new light, a whole new lens. And I think it was kind of the you know the combination of the first saw and then discovering some of these auteur filmmakers that were really like challenging me and i and now i i like to be challenged like mm-hmm. even if it's a film that i'll never watch again um if it gets a really strong reaction out of me and not a reaction like oh that's garbage um but like you know something that makes me nervous or, right, or right. makes me sweat, and I maybe never want to experience that again. But I say, "Wow, that's a that's a piece of art," and you shocked me, or scared me, or some, questioned some, some sort of it, reaction. Yes, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's so it's funny, to, you know, uh, if people don't know you very well, John, like to say, like, "Oh, I I didn't like horror growing up," and you know, meanwhile, unearth. Is a horror film, right. um, which is you know your the biggest thing you've, you've done, and so it's it's it. There's a lot to be said about just like you know you kind of mentioned but the the accessibility of modern horror mm-hmm. right now for you know just as a jumping off genre and that you can say social commentary stuff you can say you know more than you you might before, but people might be interested and it might might get bought because right. it is a horror movie and because people like horror movies. And it's it's almost like a Trojan horse. It sure um, is of of genre these days. <laughs> yeah, that's a re- that's a really good call for sure. Absolutely, I think what you know I'm kind of getting to, and maybe what you all are getting to too, is it comes down to story and character, mm-hmm. and kind of the way that it's delivered. Right? Um, I'm if I see you know a splatter fest or you know a serial killer thing uh i would go also for like the silence of the lambs where it's Mm -hmm. more of a psychological and it's more relatable that scares the Mm -hmm. shit out of me uh yeah but if it's done another way where it's just like high body count and it kind of glamorizes the killer Mm -hmm. and stuff like that i'm i'm checked out i'm not interested in that so yeah I think it comes down to story, and like you said, it's a way to. Uh, and they've been doing it forever. I mean, oh, you, oh yeah. I mean, look, look at the Twilight Zone. Yep. Like for gosh sake, like 
uh, and you know, even further back, I'm sure. Like Once pul- you pulp get comics, into like, it, you know, like, yeah, it's been around. Yeah, it's been around forever. Um, it's just sometimes that stuff doesn't bubble up to the top, like mm-hmm. you know, kind of the bigger ones that everybody mm-hmm. knows. I mean, yeah, look at like look at like the EC comics and stuff like that, and how the, you know they they would have moral messages and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, that were like for the fifties, like way way ahead of their time and stuff like that. Uh, but like snuck in and kids bought them because it was. A, you know, gruesome, decapitated head, head on the cover, and <laughs> um, and then like, oh, these are things that people are still, you know, trying to recreate today. Yeah, awesome. yeah, for sure. I have a bunch of questions about building the lineup, so we're going to go through okay. a yep. slew of the lesser known films, and I hope through these Great. questions we can probably get to some of your bigger philosophical curation goals here. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to start with Ganja and Hess. And I'm going to read the long the log line, and then I'm going to have you take it from here, John. Um, so, quote, after being stabbed with an ancient germ-infested knife, a doctor's assistant finds himself with an insatiable desire for blood. So, <laughs> yeah. take it from here. Oh, sure. I mean, no uh, log lines. Gotta love them. <laughs> I wish you had Dr. Rhonda Matthews here. And really, uh, I'll, I will take a lot of this section. So we're talking about Thursday, October 28th's lineup yep. um, at the Horror Fest. And it, that day started off with me reaching out to Dr. Matthews and saying, hey, because she has been um, on panel discussions uh, before at the Erie Art Museum. She's introduced films uh at the bourbon barrel with us, like um, get out and black Panther. We did screenings and she's fantastic. Um, you know, she is a sociologist, but she talks about pop culture and how that relates into bigger issues and, and themes and, and stuff. Kind of like what we're all getting at with, you know, looking for a little more meat on mm-hmm. the bone. Right. Mm-hmm. So programming this lineup was, was definitely uh, not, john uh solo for for sure so um and i was very excited when dr matthews uh, was also excited about the idea and she put the she has a syllabus um which you can go on on our website and download uh yeah she has recommended viewing um of some series and other films that she's going to pull into her conversation and so on thursday she's going to introduce both films um Annabellum is the first film at six, mm-hmm. and Ganjin Hess is going to be at nine. So she's going to introduce both of them, but then afterwards it's going to be an audience participation thing, and she's going to have a conversation, a larger conversation, which she's calling race horror and transference, how real life is scarier than demons. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the preface, to, <laughs> preface to everything. Um, but Ganjin Hess, yeah, is a film that um, – Again, was not on my radar. I didn't even know existed, uh, you know, back when I'm sure it was probably in Papa Rop's video. It seems <laughs> like it would be a film right. that was on the shelf there in that horror section. Um, yeah, and it's it's an experimental, uh, you know, a, a sort of experimental film that um, is low budget. The backstory of the film is is really interesting too. This is when um, black exploitation films were you know, a thing and popular and studios were, um, you know, buying a lot of those properties and stories Mm -hmm. and kind of churning them out a lot. But this film um, was kind of sold in a way as one of those. Mm -hmm. 
but the filmmakers behind the scenes were not older white men. Um, you know, they were people of color and there's definitely, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to get into, uh, you know, I, Rhonda will do a much better job than I, but Ganjin Hess is uh, much more than the uh, than the, than, log, than the line. log line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, the the cast is great. Um, I can't wait for people to watch it because I've never seen it on a big screen. I'm excited to see it on a big screen, and it'll be something different for sure. And but that's kind of one of you know with the film society taking the reins on the Erie Horror Fest, uh, we will have some films that'll be a little different mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, broaden all of our audience's uh, capacity for horror. Cool. Uh, let's move to Friday at 9.30, where you have Possession, a <laughs> yeah. 4K restoration. It's been making the rounds at festivals mm -hmm. and is now coming to Erie. Uh, now, I also read that this is one of those cases where the initial American release was like heavily cut down or yeah. heavily messed Butcher. with in some Butcher. way. And it has this tortured release history. So I'll let you go. Sure. Go from here. Yeah. Possession. I am uh, extremely excited about. Have either of you seen? Possession? I have not. No, okay. I have not, but I, I read the Wikipedia summary, which is what <laughs> wusses like me do sometimes <laughs> with horror movies. It's a, yeah. it's a real sensation. Did your eyes like... <laughs> kind of bulge out once you got to a certain point in the story? Yeah. When, once you get to the twist, you're like, oh, Okay, this is where this I is going. I definitely did that for Titan or however. Yeah, Titan. Uh, I yeah. saw Forrest's review for that, uh, mm -hmm. and the reader was like, "I gotta know what happened." I mean, we'll yeah. get to that, but yeah, <laughs> gotta go to the Wikipedia summary yeah. for for some yes. of these spooky movies <laughs> yes. for sure. That's a strategy many people like myself employ quite <laughs> sure. often. Possession in Titan. Um, oh man, once I heard, you know, I always wanted to show Titan for sure. It's like the horror film of the year. Um, and that's Midnight Friday, so that's we're Midnight on Friday. the same night here. Yes, yeah, same night. But Possession was a film that actually, when I ran the uh, Edinburgh Film Series, that was a film that was introduced because I had a, a student board each year. And we all would have like these dinners, and we would pitch which movies we wanted to show, and it was this big competition. And that film was introduced to me by um, the student board. I hadn't heard of Possession and once they kind of did their, you know, one, little one-minute pitch, um, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> this sounds very interesting. And, yeah, and I, and I love it. And this, the actress, um, Isabel Ajani, uh, she's a French actress. Um, she was the first actor in the horror genre to win, I can't remember what they call the acting award at Cannes, but she won Best Actress at Cannes when the film came out in 1981. Um, and her performance, like, I know that it's used so often, like a tour de force or like, you have not seen a performance like like hers uh, before. It's one of those experiences where it really feels like the performer got completely lost and completely into the role. Um, and it's like an out-of-body, out-of-mind experience. And that that pulls you in uh, to the world of the film. I mean, it's the, st mm -hmm. the story is it's the, uh, the end of a marriage basically <laughs> is what the story is. And Sam Neill, uh, a young Sam Neill uh, plays her husband and they're both excellent in the film. But yeah, when Metrograph, who have kind of a long history now through Unearth with Metrograph. They're fantastic. It's this art house cinema in New York City. Um, and the uh, programmer there 
sent me an email and, and said, hey, we're, we're acquiring possession and releasing a 4K new transfer of the director's cut. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yes. Like, this, this film is going to be mm-hmm. in, in our lineup. So this was Excellent. one of the first, Possession was one of the first films, maybe even the first that was like, yeah, we're, we're going to show this at Horror Fest. Because getting back to the conversation about Discovery, um, you know, I am like sitting in the room with you two and anybody that's considering going to the Horror Fest. This is one of those films that I'm like, if you haven't seen, this is why you go to a, a festival mm-hmm. like the Erie Horror Fest. Because um, if you're a horror fan, or if you're not a horror fan, because really it's kind of one of those that's like a drama that turns into uh, a, a, a beast of uh, a very unique nature. Um, and again, it's, a, it's about, um, you know, the destruction of, of a marriage. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. I just can't wait to see her on the big screen. She's amazing. She should win a Lifetime Achievement Award for sure. One of the things I thought that was kind of interesting is Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this iteration of the Horror Fest has a lot more just older films. Like, you know, Gun and Hess is 1973, mm-hmm. Possession in 1981, mm-hmm. American Well from London is what, 84, uh, whatever. Or, yeah, uh, 81. Yeah, 81. It's the okay, um, but yeah, which is not really something that the Horror Fest did before, right? Yeah, it, it was mostly just new films, yeah. indie films without the kind of, you know, headline. Uh, Films that are kind of more tried and true, but also maybe uh, hidden gems for you know people at large. But yeah, what, what kind of brought point. that up? It's a that's a good point. I I would say um, you know I will. There are some older films that I did see at Horror Fest. I think they would usually do maybe one. Right? Let's say yeah. they would do one, like yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The first time I saw that was at the Erie yeah. Horror Fest. And I think they've probably done like Halloween and uh, okay, or the yeah, fog yeah. or something. But you're Definitely. in general, you're right. We are, um, you know, at least in this variation of the horror fest. Yeah, it is very much a, you know, classics that you need to know, mm-hmm. you need to have seen, um, and then kind of the, you know, some of the new, the new class mm-hmm. that's that's coming mm-hmm. up. Yeah, it's very much in both of those worlds and, by yeah, design. And, and a lot of them are just, you know, like you mentioned the restoration of mm-hmm. Possession. You know, you have uh, Naughton from American Werewolf right. coming in. So it's like, it's not, they're not just random, oh, here's a movie we, right. we like, but there are reasons for, you know, and, and uh, there's anniversaries mm-hmm. to a 40th of the both of them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Aliens were showing the special edition cut, which yeah. is like 20 minutes longer than uh, the theatrical. Yeah, so it's it's not just like, yeah, yeah, you're not, it's not just like stuff you can find on Netflix. Right, stuff like that, we're trying obviously. to give you, give you something new, and yeah, and again, it's to the point of what you both were talking about with curation and, mm-hmm. and programming and how important that is. We're trying to build up that trust of, you know, okay, you may have seen Aliens a thousand times on, you know, where, wherever it's playing, but have you seen this version of it? Mm-hmm. And have you seen it with Michael Bean? I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> and and just a sidebar on Michael, um, he and his wife, uh, Jennifer Blanc Bean, they were like so cool about the fest. They're staying an extra day cool. when, you know, he's he's just going to come and hang out like everybody else on Thursday, which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, it's, um, 
Yeah, it's the old, the new, and trying to introduce everybody to maybe something they haven't seen or, or should mm-hmm. see, hopefully. Well, let's head on a new, which is Titan. Yeah. Which we, before we were rolling here, we were just generally yeah. talking about the intensity of it. So yeah. I don't know what you want to say on that topic. Yeah, I won't give too much away. I mean, I put you could have put Possession or Titan in the Midnight slot. Um, for sure. They both work great as, as midnight, weird, strange, but again, also in an interesting way, grounded in that drama, in that character. Um, Before you go any further, you talked about how you kind of are assigning attributes to a midnight movie. So what makes it good? Because I know a lot of festivals employ the midnight movie technique. So what makes a good midnight movie to you and why is Titan fall into that category? So like okay, a couple midnight movies I have seen. Uh, it's Sundance. My wife Dorota Schwentz and Erica and I went to. So none of us had seen the original Funny Games. This is a Funny Game story mm-hmm. again. But then uh, Hanukkah, he did a English remake of his own film, Funny Games, with Naomi Watts, and it premiered at midnight at Sundance. And I was just like, I've heard about funny games before. I haven't seen it. This seems interesting. You know, home invasion thriller, but people like are really like rabidly into it. So let's check it out. And talk about when you were talking, we were talking before about Titan off air and like fainting. (laughs) Okay. So I am, it's a packed theater, Sundance, midnight screening of funny games. And Michael Pitt and the other actor um, that played the two young men in the film, they both come out in these all-white, like, tennis outfits. And there is no, like, proper introduction. Like, they say, okay, and a couple people from the the film are going to be here. And they just kind of come up and walk around on on stage. Kind of reminded me of, like, Clockwork Orange style. Mm -hmm. And they're just kind of up there and he's like tossing a golf ball up and down his hand and just kind of like looking like kind of leeringly Uh. at everybody in the audience. And then they just like walk off stage with no words. And I'm like, I'm a little unsettled. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like it's like stagey and showy, but it Mm -hmm. feels like dark. Mm -hmm. And then we get into the movie and it starts with like this hardcore, like um, this power, like, scream metal i don't even know what you would call it like death metal with the opening credits with just is the this card. like a, a mandy-esque <laughs> score <laughs> or something a, i don't know have you guys seen the remake of no not at all no. okay so it's I just know very this, little about it it's frank. this family in any other movie they're they're like in a station wagon or or you know a van um and it's the parents and the kids and it's a sunny day out in the wilderness and it's just the car driving down the road and you can tell they're going to vac on vacation. The car is packed up, everybody's smiling and stuff, but it is blaring music of death metal, <laughs> you know, while mm-hmm. it's saying like funny games and like big red letters. And it's just the family there like riding along in this, like, and it just knocks you like off. You're just like, Whoa, what is going on? But anyways, as the film goes on, uh, I start to sweat <laughs> And then I start to feel uncomfortable. And that film is perfect for like a study of audience manipulation. Um, there's a part in the film where some violence, ha- like the, the, it's a home invasion thing. And there's like a kind of a hostage situation with the family. 
And without spoiling anything, there's something that you want to happen because you're rooting for the family. And like someone gets away from a situation. And then one of these guys that I was talking to you about in the white tennis suits, they grab a remote control off the table and they push the rewind button and it rewinds the movie. And then the thing you wanted to happen does not happen because they will not let it happen. Hmm. Like it's like hmm. ultimate, like you haven't seen that in a movie before. Yeah. It's ballsy. It's violent. It makes you really uncomfortable. But anyways, there was so much stuff happening in that movie that I was I started like feeling faint <laughs> and I like had to look away. And yeah, it was it was a it was one of my most intense moments in the theater. The other one is um the Descent, which mm, was at yeah. Sundance as well. Which I saw at the art museum. Okay, three, three guys, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and Dorota and I went to the premiere of The Descent. There was no trailer. Oh, it yeah. was just the synopsis of like four women or five women or go, go spelunking uh, yeah, yeah. and they get lost in a cave or something like mm -hmm. that, okay? But holy crap, like... <laughs> I think Dorota said, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but she's like, I think I pissed myself a little. <laughs> like, like there's like, you know, there's moments in, in that film that are just like, they're so claustrophobic, like mm -hmm. it was so well filmed. I don't know. I would say Midnight is like, I mean, yeah, there are some festivals where Midnight means that's your like hardcore horror, blood and guts, like. Gotcha. Like really extreme. I think Midnight... I don't know. Maybe it feels like it's like an excitement thing around mm -hmm. like horror movies that are like kind of peak excitement or something that you really haven't seen before or really challenging. And it's just like a different audience vibe yeah. too, for sure. I mean, <laughs> it's, a I mean it's a punchy audience. Let's not forget the number one <laughs> midnight movie of all time, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Absolutely. Um, which I randomly just watched last night because I was feeling this stuff. Oh, that's cool. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it. yeah, the midnight, you know, then going back to like, pink flamingos and stuff like that and freaks and yeah like an energy weird, there's an just, energy like you you kind of have like a, it's a black market kind of thing mm -hmm. like oh i know a guy like i know a guy who has this videotape and of this movie and it's yeah. real weird and you gotta see it yeah. like that's kind of like the midnight yeah. movie feel to me. I, I wonder if it even helps that for like casual moviegoers if it even helps that the midnight screening was such a <laughs> sensation for like probably five or six years there until they just started putting movies at like seven Good on call. Thursdays. Oh, yeah, know? like the, the you know pre-releases I mean? of like, yeah. Well, yeah. I just wonder if that is, that maybe um, supplies the, okay, a midnight movie means exciting or new or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, so. it's a good marketing hook yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, for, I forgot about that. I've mm -hmm. been to many of those. <laughs> That's a good call. Well, they don't, they don't really do them anymore. Yeah, because I mean, like, it's just Thursday now. You, go, you yeah. go and see No Time to Die and it's like, well, I want it seven. Yeah. On Thursday. I yeah. didn't really go at midnight. But right. It was a huge thing for like, to what, go five to years or so. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They didn't do it before midnight. So. That's a good call. So I guess kind of back to Titan. Um, Titan is... Oh, yeah, that was the question. Yeah, and I, I will not... Um, I can't remember her name, the director's name enough to not pronounce it incorrectly it's a it's a very we'll do, french yeah we'll just skip it yeah <laughs> um but she's fantastic and you should learn her name for sure but her first film uh, is called raw which i believe is streaming on netflix um she is a one of these new voices in horror that is really important for horror fans to uh be acquainted with i mean she's earned fantastic accolades for titane um 
you know, at the Cannes Film Festival, it won the Palme d'Or, uh, which is one of the big prizes there. And I think two people passed out um, in the audience. And just recently at the Toronto, uh, film uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, at the Toronto, that's why you want to see this? Yeah, we're we're trying to sell tickets, John, <laughs> for you. We're not. No, no, it's it's <laughs> hey, it's a min, it's midnight. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why people want <laughs> horror right. films. They that's want right. to elicit a bodily that's response. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so uh, at Toronto, uh, it won the Midnight Man- Madness Prize. So at Toronto, it's audience vote. Um, can it's like critic critic panel vote um mm-hmm. but the audience voted titane as the best of the midnight um films and uh it's not just with horror appeal i mean critically it's very well reviewed and um just yesterday france announced that they're putting titane titane is going to be their country submission for their best film for the academy awards oh, for wow. best international which would be amazing to see it uh, on the list. And, and it would be amazing for a horror film, um, right. you know, to win uh, a prize there. Although Parasite kind of, you know, gets yeah, into that yeah, area yeah. too a bit. Um, so Titane is the story of uh, a young woman um, who is a model at like hot rod car shows. So think of like Fast and Furious um, yeah, it's kind of like a Fast and Furious thing where you've got like, you know, a lot of young, hot, hot people and hot cars and, uh, people just showing off their cars and she's kind of a model that slinks around on these cars. Yeah. And then it takes a very, uh, hard, hard turn. Uh, and you know, she's really into cars. I'll say that, uh, this, mm-hmm. this one car in particular, big, big fan, um, um, yeah. And then, uh, it gets into this whole conversation about gender and sex and it's, it's a very interesting, unique film. I'll, I'll leave okay. it at that. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Mm-hmm. So we've got, um, I've got the last few here. I think, I think these are all Saturday, but Saturday please, is packed. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. We've got free fall coming, coming home in the dark mm-hmm. and see for me. So if we want to do any of those, if you have any, sure. any tidbits you want to drop on any of those. Well, I'll just great. throw in real quick, of course, because I wouldn't skip over it, but this is going to be a cast reunion of for Unearth. Um, yeah. We're having all of the cast. Who did there. that one? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, that was you. Yeah. Yes. Droda and I made, uh, made Unearth. Yes. Um, we are Erie-based filmmakers. Come and support. Uh, a locally produced film. But we'll have a lot of the cast there, and it's the first time that they've been reunited. And there's three members of the cast who are originally from northwestern Pennsylvania, Mark Blucas, Allison McAtee, and Rachel McKeon. And they'll all be coming back home, and they're really excited to meet you. Uh, the Free Fall is, um, is kind of a gaslighting um, story of a young woman who wakes up in bed, she's got bandages on both of her wrists, and a young gentleman. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but oh, Sean Ashmore, who was in like X Men and stuff, mm. stuff like that. He was Iceman. Yes, yes, yes. And Sean Ashmore is there saying he is her husband, and that she had an accident, and he's uh, taking a lot of attention um, and really. Um, well, he's 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 a bit controlling. I'll, I'll I'll say that with her recovery, 
Um, so yeah, that's the free fall and the free fall. Uh, I, I, I don't know who bought it, but it was just recently bought by a distributor just yesterday as we're recording this and is coming out next year. So this is a film that, you know, you can only see at a, at a festival right now, which and is really cool. That stars Andrea Landa, who is going to be there. Correct? She's going to be there. She was in Netflix's Narcos, which is cool. So it's going to be cool to meet her. And uh, the director, Adam Stilwell, is going to be there as well. If we have any Erie Horror Fest veterans listening to this podcast, um, there was a film called Paper Dolls about a decade ago, which was a um, a Bigfoot horror story. Mm-hmm. And the filmmakers, uh, that's where I met those filmmakers at the Erie Horror Fest. It won the best uh, film at, at that festival. And we've kind of stayed in touch. And this is one of their... Um, uh, one of that group's new films, Adam Stilwell. Really cool guy. Coming Home in the Dark uh, is a great kind of, oh man, this, it's, <laughs> yeah, this this one, uh, like I'm thinking right now, David Bostaff, who's our director of operations. Yeah, he and I both uh, checked this one out because I watched it and I'm like, David, you gotta check this out. And he's like, whoo, man, like the performances are really great. Um, this guy in the film who calls himself Man Mandrake, uh, I believe. It's this family. They're on a camping vacation, um, and they meet a couple of dark gentlemen, and um, yeah, things things go go badly. Uh, it's definitely one of those like that will make you like not want to go on a camping mm. trip anymore kind of films. So. Really scary, very relatable, like you're just out in the middle of nowhere, like having fun, camping, and, you know, what happens if you why I don't go camping. (laughs) Bad, and it's uncomfortable, and I don't like the outdoors. So there you go. (laughs) And also for situations like this. Nick, camping, any thoughts on camping? Pro camping uh, at this time. Pro camping, hot take. Yeah, yeah. Despite any, you know, supernatural <laughs> shifty characters yes. I might meet that might want to do me harm. <laughs> Easy to social distance, though, yes. in this day true, and age. True. So yes. there you go. Yeah. You're going to be isolated. <laughs> then our last film on of the fest, um, really, I was very impressed by. It's called See For Me. Again, this is another one that's not coming out until next year. And uh, we got it from IFC. And yeah, it is, boy, like it's one of those where you read the synopsis and you're kind of like, eh, that's interesting. But it's it's this visually impaired young woman who goes to house sit and there's a, a, a break-in to the house while she's there. But the interesting update of kind of that story, you know, there's been films like Hush, um, which is really fantastic. If you haven't seen it, I think it's on Netflix, where you know you had a hearing impaired, I believe, woman mm-hmm. who was in a house and somebody's trying to break into the house. With this one, there's an app, uh, and this is just my probably my own ignorance, but you know, if you think about like, hmm, visually impaired person house sitting, you know, like how does that work? There's an app uh, on her phone where you can call someone, and there's like this bank of people. And if you're like, hey, I lost my my house key or whatever, and basically they're your eyes for you, and you communicate oh. with them over the phone. Oh, interesting. So she's in this situation. So they like FaceTime, mm-hmm. basically? Yeah, that's basically cool. FaceTime. And there's people that that's their job. You're sitting there like a 911 operator or whatever. You get a call. You jump on the 
you know, the FaceTime essentially. So she's in this situation in the house and it's these these two, the person, the woman that's on the on the phone and her. And then of course you're dealing with technology and batteries and you know, all of the other complicated situations. So the person at the call center is the second character mm-hmm. in this horror movie, basically. Yep. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really fun. It's really tense. You know, and it's a lot of things that those of us who are not visually impaired take for granted um, that this film kind of like, you know, brings to light with that experience of like, holy, you know, like, <laughs> wow, like what would I do in that situation, you know, like. So, yeah, really just an exciting thriller um, there to, to close out the fest. And cool. I mean, just if I can touch base really quick, one yeah, thing I'm ahead. really excited about with Saturday uh, for any creatives that are listening to this, and you don't have to be a filmmaker or a film director. If you're a writer, um, you know, just a creative in general, we're having um, a, a panel, an industry panel on how to pitch a project. Um, that's going to be at noon at Velocity Network. So this is one of the ones that's at a different place. Um, but very but close. To very it. close, yeah. like a block away. Yeah. And thank you to Velocity Net for hosting us. Uh, we're going to have a panel of distributors, acquisitions people, uh, and producers who are going to kind of like share stories of what you need to do. Because, man, like not to get yeah. into Unearth again, but it took like two years of my life of oh, yeah. like putting together a pitch deck and approaching investors and trying to raise money. I want to save the next Which is people. really <laughs> so not time. part of what you wanted to get into. Right. <laughs> like you want to make right. movies and right. create and most something. Creatives, and, yeah. right? They they're not on the business they side. They just kinda of think it'll magically and you, happen. And you have to operate as your own small business, yes. basically. Yeah. yeah. Film film is a business. Uh so it's really important for any creatives listening to this. I hope you will attend this. It's donation. Like the le- the the less you want to do it, the more you should do it. <laughs> for sure. And we have a couple brave uh regional filmmakers that are gonna serve as kind of our guinea pigs that are gonna pitch their projects to the panel live and cold. And we're going to get like real feedback from them too. So I think this will be like, again, for any creatives, please try and make it to this noon panel on Saturday the 30th. That's cool. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so there's Q and A's happening. Oh yeah. All right. And if you spend any time on like film Twitter in quotes, right, you realize quickly that Q and A's have like some main offenders that show up over and over <laughs> again. So I'm talking people that start with like, this is more a comment than a question. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, yeah. if you can I give my interviewing style, <laughs> <laughs> if you could give advice to people that are going to get called on or get in line about asking good post-screening questions, what advice would you give them? Uh, I mean, yeah, know know your your person that's up there. You know, if they're an actor, you know, they won't be able to answer questions like, uh, you know, how did this come yeah what was what was the origination of this story or so this is how did you do that shot or you know if michael bean's up there he's probably not going to be able to say too much about the headspace that director james cameron was in to like pull off like some of the awesome Mm -hmm. action scenes in the movie but i'm sure he would love to talk about like hicks and maybe if there were, you know, some people that, um, you know, he kind of pulled from in his real life to inform him about Hicks, how he got into the headspace of like, you know, when there's not really a, a 
10 foot tall alien in front of you you like you know how do you pull off that intensity um you know and maybe like his exercise and editing or eating regimen or something like that because you know he looks amazing in the film but no like i i guess if it's a director um you know i i I think our audiences are pretty pretty good with the questions so far but you're right this is our first horror fest uh audience so i'm not sure what we're gonna get you got me a little nervous now. No, I'm yeah. just, I just think you probably have seen, again, both the good and bad of festival <laughs> sure. questions. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that you could. Get to the point. Okay. That, that's, that's, a, prob- that's good that's advice. That's probably. Yeah. Yeah. We want it. We if it takes more than thirty <laughs> seconds, maybe rethink about. Don't answer questions like like me. Basically, don't don't build like layers on layers, and then eventually come back around ten minutes later to what. It's the okay question. for a podcast, but <laughs> save your movie pitch for yeah. the pitch. Yes. You know, panel. That's you right. Know, don't do it there. That's um, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I attended something recently where it had a bunch of audience Q and A, um, and it was just the biggest train wreck really yeah was it like just people adding their own like you know their own life personal stuff in it yeah you're you're scaring john Moore. you're just (laughs) yeah now i'm sweating this was in warren ohio okay this is gonna go perfectly everybody's gonna ask great questions i'm sorry i brought it up uh but you're right get to the get to the point right yeah, get to the I point. think somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to reshape their question a little <laughs> yeah. bit and it's going to help them. Okay. So I think Think about yeah. are you are you asking this question just because you want to be seen by yeah. this person or yeah. do you actually want to know this question? And then to that point, we're going to have, you know, there's three meet and greets with Michael Bean. So yeah. go to one of the three meet and greets and say hi to him in yeah. person instead of like saying from the audience, oh, I watched Tombstone and you're the best yeah. and I love this scene. It Okay, what's your question about aliens <laughs> and Michael Bean? Yeah. Uh, so I have a couple eerie, just general eerie film questions to wrap up. Sure. That's okay. So yeah. I think at some point in the pandemic, I was scared personally that Cinemark was a goner. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think all film fans in Erie probably had a similar thought at some point during COVID. Yeah. I mean, it just it did sit closed for months and months and months. So, and I don't want to ignore um, Erie Movie House in this question, but is there a place for Erie to evolve theater wise? I don't know. I'm just. I guess mm-hmm. I'm just throwing it out there to the mm-hmm. general group of like. Mm-hmm. So what if Cinemark did close? Yeah. Well, now we have no movie theater. So. Yeah, Bourbon Barrel was sold uh, due to the pandemic and how fantastic uh, our response was for for business owners. Um, that was sarcasm. <laughs> uh, and we lost our um, weekly film series, which we really loved. I can say that uh, Erica and I and Joel and everybody on the board, um, we've uh, been having conversations and looking at places and, you know, yeah, I am, I am hopeful that at least as far as, you know, the film society of Northwestern Pennsylvania, um, we will be able to bring, uh, more options to downtown. Yeah. In the, in the coming future, in the, in the, I don't want to say, I don't want to give it a time. Of course. Right, right, right. Of course. And, um, and I yeah. mean, I feel like these, like knowing Erica very well for many years too, uh, these are conversations that have been going on for 
decades. Now. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's more what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. Is you know, you are obviously intimately involved in the film in the film culture around here. You're a main voice in the culture, and I just wonder, like, what what would make a good second theater for you? Like, what does Erie need? Yeah. In regards to a theater, I mean, honestly, our dinner and movie—that uh, model was was very successful for us, mm-hmm. and 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 also the, not having its own, you know, brick and mortar mm-hmm. place. Like it was, it was a pop up essentially. <laughs> we and came in, we came on, out. on a non busy day at a bar. Mm-hmm. It made a lot of sense. Yes, and the le- the whole leather seat thing, the mm-hmm. bar being there, the great drinks, the great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And they spent so much time, like working on. We were working on the speakers with them all the time. They were fantastic partners. Um, but yeah, we have you know, like the conversation with the International Film Festival, which now we're pivoting to the the Horror Fest. And as you probably have seen through this conversation, like we're, you know, we're going to add new aspects and stuff to it, um, so that we don't come back as the exact. We're going to do. You know, the horror fest as you always knew and loved, but and more, right? We're going to add more. And there's other things that we talked about uh, offline, aspects of it that we hope to add in the future that we're working on too. Uh, And we are going to have some announcements actually at the horror fest relating to the future of the horror fest. Um, and our, our plans for it, which we're very excited about. Um, but yeah, we're, we want to, um, you know, getting coming all the way back around to my kind of little gripe uh, about um, film being like, <laughs> like the major art form, uh, you know, of our time that encompasses all forms of, of the arts. We are going to, you know, bite claw, kick, punch our way uh, to become like the new pillar um, in Erie and to become a new industry for those economic development people. Um, you know, that that is our overall arching goal. So yeah, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep going. We're going to, you know, make a home for more creatives um, more artists and more people that appreciate this art form. So yeah, we have a lot, we have a lot we're always working on and we're still growing and still building even after a decade, um, you know, to, to make the greater Erie film office to, um, you know, have more events and more opportunities for people. Let me ask one more question. You know, we you mentioned that you are a podcast host yourself a couple of times. You've had a couple of different shows. I, I guess I'll call myself. I think I was an advisor yeah, to the beginning of absolutely. Film Grain. You recorded a few episodes in our makeshift you, you studio at that up, time. You picked us up and you know, uh, I didn't do showed that. Showed us the way. I tried. I tried. Um, John made the baby swaddle. I sure did. <laughs> uh, so Film Grain that ran for over a hundred episodes. Mm-hmm. That was. Um, the Film Society's official podcast, yes. and uh, also now you have Cinema Activist. Cinema Activist, yep. What have you found in this medium? And Our Eerie. I produce and Our Eerie, of course. Oh, nice. But I am not on, yeah. on right. one of the voices. Uh, the women are amazing on Our Eerie. What have you found in this medium that we're on right now that's appealed to you? Like, How does it complement you as a visual artist? What does it allow you to say 
that perhaps you haven't been able to as a visual artist? Why? I mean, it seems like you've really taken mm-hmm. to podcasting and mm-hmm. maybe an, une- an unexpected way to yourself. Just, I mean, just kind of a sidebar as far as news and media, this is definitely like where it's at. Uh, all the mainstream corporate uh, BS is <laughs> is mm-hmm. is such an old archaic model. Like the where you can do like a long form conversation and deep dives uh this is this is perfect for that right Mm -hmm. this is like the new radio the new um you know opinion section Mm -hmm. um the new like letter you know from the editor to the editor um news yeah i mean it kind of covers everything i feel like it and then you have that freedom with technology you can just do it yourself right um which, of course, as we found in music and film and everything else, you know, then you have a lot of voices and then there's a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. But we live in a complete meritocracy, so so everything will just work out, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Um, yeah, what, what does it allow you visual, to... How does it allow you to express yourself that maybe has been different for you or... Yeah, the film society um, we've bene- always... Beneficial to you, maybe even as a filmmaker. yeah. It comes into play with, you know, when we were at the art museum, we always liked having the panels and mm-hmm. the discussions afterwards and kind of an open discussion with the audience. So it kind of is a way to expand that where you are you can take a deeper dive into the film or a filmmaker or have a filmmaker on, um, you know, and really dig dig deeper than just let's watch a movie together and then go home. Right. Um, so I think... It's for me, I mean, I podcasts have been very useful for me just with making Unearth and what I was alluding to before about the business and raising money and stuff. There are some fantastic uh film podcasts that I listen to all the time that, you know, are kind of like uh go going to college in a way, but mm-hmm. for free on your on your phone. Uh, not saying that you shouldn't, you know, consider. <laughs> post-secondary education um but it's just another place that is just a wealth of knowledge and information and a way to discover new voices and um find your tribe and uh yeah inspire you and i i mean i think i find a lot of value in in film podcast much more value than in film twitter that's a good thing to end on (laughs) thank you very much john thank you both flagship stories is a collaborative podcast between the edinburgh beehive and the erie reader you can find the edinburgh beehive at nwpabeehive.com where you'll get information on our broader network you can find the erie reader and nick's great work at eriereader.com or you can pick up their monthly publication for free around the region. If you need help locating a copy, head to eriereader.com distribution. You can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.